1: Jules Holland. I'm joined by Jim Moyer here, sitting beside Jules Holland. Uh, and we have a very special guest on this podcast. We will be discussing with him his life, his career, his aspirations, his dreams, and some of the motoring interest things that he might have
2: had. But not just motoring, it's going to be travel as well. Just general travel. Anecdotes regarding travel, bus journeys, traffic.
1: Cars, uh, planes, uh, roads... Yeah, Uh, all sorts of other things as well. Showbiz
2: journeys, showbiz revelations. We're going to be all revelations, yes. Uh, And
1: we've got a very special guest here, Uh, um, and I think we should say how we know all sort of got to know one another.
2: Well, let's, let's all wear badges with our names on and talk about each other and say Okay, so we well, Let's well, pretend well, it's an AA meeting or something like that. And we
1: can reveal... Her, well, well, the Automobile Association. Yes, exactly. Hello, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, my name is Jim, um, and
2: I know you, Jules. We'll go around the table. Yes, I know you, Jules, because I've known you. Well, how long have we known each other? For, uh, I would say way over 30 years.
1: Oh, more than that, I should say, probably. I remember when you first were in Deptford and you were playing in the pubs, actually. Glenn Tilbrook took me to see you in That's a pub right, yes. performing. You came up and performed on the Tube, I remember that must have yeah. been in 1984 or something so yeah. i think
2: we're talking about like 35 yeah. more and we're and we're recording this in in your studio which was our old office where we uh, bob and i uh commanded our position as top light entertainers that's and, right and wrote the big night out and smell of reason mortimer etc yes and uh, and we're sitting here now with your ex-band Made, remember, yes,
1: one of the greatest poets of, of, uh, whose songs are sung around the world, who's a great songwriter, a great man and a great fellow who I first met, probably aged, I oh, must have been aged, about maybe sixteen or something. And I looked up, he's a couple of years older than me, then he was then. and uh, he still is apparently. And I looked up <laughs> to him very much then as a sort of a role model. And uh, he's, he's here now with a different set of trousers, which he had then, because he had some loom trousers I was very jealous of. Um, mm. But he's here and he's a, an absolute marvel. And it is Chris Difford. Oh yes, oh,
3: yes, thank you very much. Yes, we've known each other for over 47 years. Isn't that an amazing thing? Oh, my goodness.
1: We should have some celebration in three years'
3: time. We, we should indeed. Um, yeah, I remember the first time we met, you came round to Maxine's house um, in Blackheath. And you played Boogie Woogie Piano. I'd never heard Boogie Woogie Piano in my life because I grew up on a council estate and there was none of that kind of stuff. It was I, banned. It was banned. <laughs> <laughs> too, too dangerous. Too too da- dangerous. And you played this wonderful Meadlux Lewis piece and you'd had a bit too much to drink, I think, and you fell off the piano at the end and we'd been friends ever since.
1: Yes, thank you. And I should just say that Chris said to me after that first piano piece, because he said he'd never heard Boogie Woogie, he actually said to me, I think... I've heard all the boogie-woogie pianos, and this is one of the best I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and I believed him. <laughs> and he was... An, yeah, and he'd, he'd, And then, this is an important thing, which I went to his... Um, in another little transport store, I went round to his, his bedroom, and in the, in the, he lived in the council estate on the road here and in his bedroom, which was very tidy and he had like great things on the wall that I wanted like some velvet underground poster or things like this and it was tidy, he had books of poetry and there was sort of really like, this is really an interesting room but the best thing of all that he had which I thought was such a fantastic thing to do he had a dinky toy lorry which he just used the articulated back as an ashtray <laughs> I thought, oh, that's so chic I mean, that's so beyond you know yeah. i don't know what david bowie was that's doing that cancel that's chic isn't it yeah. that and, is, and from yeah. then on that was all i would use just these old lorries as my ashtrays
2: yeah oh yeah yeah I, and I, the
3: first time i remember meeting you jim was at the albert hall when squeeze were playing and you did the bingo
2: for that us that was yeah and i think was that your idea Yes, it was. it was. I think Jules's that was, was Jules' idea. Did it, did it work For very me, well? It was terrible, and I <laughs> knew it was one of the worst moments I've ever had on stage because I was on on stage at the and the idea was everyone shouted "house" at the same time, time yeah. and then you all kicked in. And at the same time but the thing was that I was calling out the numbers and they were echoing around the room hmm. and no one was writing down the same numbers at the same time which was the plan <laughs> so it, I could and I knew within the first few seconds that it was all going to go wrong and it was just a pointless bingo because there wasn't even a prize at the end of the <laughs> and, and I think I ran off Somewhere halfway through thinking there's no way out of this.
1: (laughs) So I'm just gonna leg it.
3: (laughs) I still I still have the pen from the gig.
1: Oh. Yeah, there you go. How amazing. (laughs) They do sing your songs around the world because um, uh, in Australia they were singing Call for Cats, in yeah. America they were singing Tempted. I mean, mm. and they're all singing these all over the place. Mm. Um, uh, in Japan, they sing Your Praises. Oh.
2: Uh, I haven't heard Your Praises. Is a good, one? It's, <laughs> a good one, yeah. it's a good one, It's a good one. What I about see. Greenland?
3: Greenland no, never had a. The only number one record Squeeze ever had was in Israel
2: not in nowhere near Greenland nowhere near Greenland. I was looking at Greenland out of interest to see what because there's not that many people live there on a huge yes continent like that is it a continent that's right yeah you said <laughs> that was some vague conviction um and I was looking into it and there's only one rapper in Greenland Mm. which makes him the best and the worst. The worst, yes, <laughs> definitely. Well, the you went, greatest rapper
1: in Greenland. But when you, you say you had a number one record in Israel. What was that then? Is That Love from
3: the East Side Story album. I believe it was number one there. We always had number twos. I don't know if you remember that. Yes. Uh, Call for Cats up the junction. Uh, Call for Cats was kept off the number one slot by Tubeway Army. And um, up the junction by um, Simon, Unc- no, no, by Art Garfunkel. Oh. With a song about rabbits.
2: Well, there you are, Arthur Garf, Uncle, and his rabbit song. Yeah, <laughs> and he wears a good wig, doesn't he? So is, is that a wig? Oh, yeah. Is it really? Because I've is heard it, these rumours. Because it's it it slipped back a bit. If it, he wants to push it forward a bit. And that's
1: very much one of the reasons it's worth listening to this um, podcast, because yeah. you get all of these sort of inside showbiz stories that you'd never, you'd never, never be anywhere. revealed uh, in in the public arena normally.
2: So yeah. much name dropping there's going to be, isn't there? This one, I think, in all, yeah, in all of them, there's a lot of name dropping, a lot of showbiz anecdotes and name dropping.
1: But before we do that, I think we should talk about you said about your having an enormous head. <laughs> it's true, yeah, it's, it's true. another showbiz story, like Arts Week. You know, can we hear about your enormous well, head? It's probably a lot I, of the public don't realize that.
2: Well, I've got a huge well, yeah. I was saying because I have to get special hats made because mm. my head is it's the big, it was measured at the BBC and, and they announced quite um, flamboyantly. I had the largest head that's ever been measured at the BBC <laughs> which has always made it tricky for me to buy a hat which most people are seven and an eighth things like that I'm about 18 inches mm. across
1: and is this because of your enormous sort of brain do you think is, is that one of the reasons of your vast head well
2: I think hats are a very good store for mm. ideas and thoughts mm. Mm. people keep things in hats as well don't they criminals keep money in the hats
1: yeah a gun I mean, um, one of, push, uh, I used to have a drink in a pub with, with the people from the Grenadier Guards Band. And when they do the Trooping of the Colour, they have a little joke amongst themselves. And again, this is sort of a showbiz secret. I mean, M.O.D. secret I'm letting out here. <laughs> they'd have a competition amongst themselves about who could put the daftest thing under their hat for the Trooping of the Colour and then sort of get it out afterwards. He said, and you get sort of people who did really st- like, you know, stupid things, like they'd like have a little sort of... Bottle of or something stupid like that although one bloke had a gerbil he thought that was quite funny but you know but you've, you know you've, if you've got to have it all there all morning it can be a bit much anyway people would take their bearskins off in the barrack rooms afterwards and 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 you could write, you could tell by the amount of applause that something got whether it was it went popular he said anyway the out and out winner was this bloke he took his bearskin off and he had a little tiny scale model of the Nuremberg war trials
2: that's really nice, though, isn't it? Yes, unbelievable. Underneath, yeah. She yeah well, I'd I'd have um, another bearskin under it, and then another one under that, like Russian dolls, Russian until no, I had no, no, no. a tiny one, yeah, yeah. the size of a thimble,
1: size yeah. of an egg or something. Yeah, and then a little model of your head underneath it. Oh wow!
2: Now
3: it's getting yeah. Mm. I have a hat story. Do you remember during the Argy bargy days, I used to wear
1: that sort of black leather hat? Oh yes, it was very popular with the people. Yeah,
3: at Lewisham Odeon when we played there, I threw it into the crowd at the end of the sh- the show. And uh, about two years ago, it came up on eBay. Oh. <laughs> Interestingly. So I tried to buy it, but the guy wouldn't sell it to me. Why? I don't know. I just I found it really odd. How curious. Yes. It, it, uh, so you threw the hat into the audience. Mm, and he kept it all that time. And then he put it on the eBay. I think the story goes is that... He wanted me to sign it and and then send it back to him and throw it back. Yes, yeah, <laughs> 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 do a
1: reenactment, except of course, Lewis Modian's gone. Uh,
3: yeah, and what a great place that was. Yes, the Beatles. Yes, Supremes. Yes, David Bowie.
1: Yeah, I saw Gladys Knight there. Did you? I think we played. Didn't we play with the the blockheads or the police there once? The as well? police. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I remember them dyeing their hair blonde in the dressing room. Yeah.
1: So, uh, Chris, uh, I mean. I was in squeeze with you so we've got a lot of happy shared memories of, of that part of the thing that we'd like to talk about in our podcast is transport really and the tribute mm. to transport you know some people like trains, planes, cars, boats you know roller skates all sorts of mm. uh, uh, methods of of transport but um, for instance are you a car man? well the first
3: thing that I did when my first PRS check was buy a Morris Minor um, from a friend of yours who used to supply you Buicks do you remember him? You know, Eddie was it? Eddie yeah. indeed yeah and so you
2: supplied Buicks and Morris Miners? <laughs> yes, I don't know why it's a strange mixture.
3: Uh, and it was a it was a soft top, so the roof came off. <clears throat> and I didn't have a driving license, but Cindy, my wife at the time, she did. So we used to drive around, and it. it was great fun. And I got the sort of nipple for for cars then. You know, I just really couldn't leave them alone. And um, I have a, I was when I was driving up here, I was remembering. A time when I had a Jaguar and we were driving from a gig in Glasgow to Liverpool, and I was trying to show you how fast it could go, and it car blew up. Do you remember Yeah, that's that? right. I was
1: really impressed. <laughs> yes. It
3: was a brand new car yeah. and it just blew up.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that was it. But you were, I think you were attempting the, the land speed record on yes. the M6. Yeah, showing the, you you know, To see what the car will do.
3: I know. And they, and they came to pick us up and took us to the ven- venue with the car on, on the back. And, uh, yeah, it was just so sad. But more importantly, I had a Jaguar hand-built, and that is it there. You can see it in the photograph. In the photograph, I'm wearing a, a jacket leaning on the front of the the car. And I don't know if you remember that, George. Well,
1: I do remember this car. I've got a photograph of this car parked over the road here, actually. Yeah. And it was a great highlight for us all to see because it had been the result of an absolutely... Uh, every expense spent restoration. Yes. Uh, and it was like a brand new car.
3: Yeah, by Vicarage Cars. Yes. So they, they, they bought the car, or we bought the car for £1,500 and then it cost 36000 to build. But what a car. What a car.
2: I've got I, one of these at the moment, a Mark II, like that. It's a lovely car, but they do need tending to. They do. And they slip and slide. <laughs> but going back to Morris I, one of the first car I ever got was with my friends four of us chipped in and bought a morris traveler for 50 quid oh. which um had mushrooms growing out of the woodwork on the on the uh oh, the, wind, the windows was that an
1: extra or? what the mushrooms yes.
2: well we'd went on a, a long trip we we drove it from the north to the south and the mushrooms remained. <laughs> so the the integrity north, of those mushrooms is paramount.
1: When you say when you say from north to the south, where did you where did you okay, start? We went
2: from Darlington to uh, we well we went to Cambridge, and we stopped outside. And this is where the end of the the, uh, the Morris Traveller story. This is where it ends because we stayed at a, uh, I think it was a bed and breakfast in in uh, Cambridge. And the brakes gave way overnight and it rolled at the, to the end of the car park and over the edge of a, <laughs> of a, of a brick wall and laid there on its um, on the chassis. So we just all ran off and got the train and it was never seen again. Well, I,
3: I do remember having a Morris Traveller, a maroon one, beautifully made. And um, we were making an album called Frank and our producer was from America and he'd never seen this car in his life before, and I picked him up in it and uh, he
2: said, is this a Tudor car?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not very good. (laughs) Did
2: you reply, no, it's mock Tudor. Mock Tudor, yes.
0: (laughs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online.
1: I mean, do you, do you enjoy a travel, Chris? I mean, you've spent your life, like many musicians, touring.
3: Yeah, since I was 16 or 17, my case has been in the car and I've been going somewhere to a gig, mainly. Um, but yeah, the journeying is everything, isn't it? I mean, mm. it's like flying to America for the first time on Freddie Lakers plane and, you know, that the whole point of journeying and getting in a van and driving around america for like two and a half months the journey was the most important part
1: yes that's right seeing that and that must have inspired you to write quite a lot of uh, your words going around seeing the uh, in fact there was one i see was a great one you wrote about tipotina tree where the, which where you you're, you're driving around but a lot of that that's driving around for um, america for months on end mm. what that was that inspiration for you
3: it was, and I remember being in New Orleans, and that's where the lyric Up the Junction was written, strangely enough. Oh,
1: not sitting, in Clapham at all, but in Not it. in Clapham. But where jazz was born, so was so Up the
3: Junction. Up Junction, sitting on the porch at the Rip Van Winkle Hotel. I remember we couldn't afford to stay in town, so we had to stay at the Rip Van Winkle, which was out of town. And I was doing my laundry at the time, and I was thinking, I really miss home. And so I started writing notes about home and that's where the lyric originally came from
1: how extraordinary. You see, I think we've learned something very interesting on the mm. on this podcast here, mm. that that's where that was born. Did you know that? I've known it I for didn't years. Know that, I no. never knew that. I was there when he was laundering his money. <laughs> and I, never, and I, I have no idea that that's what he was doing. So you
2: wrote all of Up the Junction now, or just part the, of it? Just the lyric,
3: and then Glenn wrote the movie. Well, you just wrote Up the Junction? No, the whole lyric. Oh, the, yeah.
1: <laughs> and it is, I mean, that, I never thought it would happen with we were in the Golf and Clapham, is to this day, uh, that couplet alone, mm. become an anthem for lots of, um, young uh, young yeah. folk and um, folk all over the world
3: i know it's a, i adore that lyric it doesn't have a chorus to it and you know i remember our manager th- saying to us you've got to write a chorus to stick in there but we didn't
2: that is quite strange though isn't it i mean is it mm. what other songs that haven't got choruses
3: virginia Plain.
2: that hasn't uh, no
3: mm. yeah. and it ends with the title of the song just like up the junction
1: or is it like in an old songs without being a pedant is it like when they just go round the same sequence again and again, it's the chorus, 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 and it's almost like there isn't a verse, if you see what uh, I mean. Oh
3: yeah, no, you could look at it like that. You know, yeah. I
1: wonder if you're in the structure of it, because there's a big, there's a good middle, there's a very clever, extraordinary middle eight to it, if we I were
3: deconstructing it. It's a, it's a complicated middle eight, yes mm. it is, but it's a brilliant one too. Can you so- play it? I do. Play, I can play it now, but in the old days when we were on stage, I used to turn down when we got to that bit. Me
1: too. I think it was only Glenn playing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he just left the stage. Yeah. Yeah, yes.
1: um, and of course, um, the, 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 going back to the transport side of it, um, when I remember we got to be on, um, uh, I think it was the Top of the Pops, mm. with that song the BBC sent limos for us. They or, or the record company sent limos for us, hmm. which were these, I think they were these giant Austin princess. Yes. Li- or like maybe they were cars. Daimlers. But they were yeah. like a sort of ca- yeah. a car that the mayor of uh, Huddersfield might have had. Hmm. Um, uh, and I remember the driver picking me up and saying, yeah, go on, enjoy your big day, mate. Like it's like, like, gonna be all over after this. This is the one thing, oh, thanks very much. Yeah. And then we're all in the back of it, having sort of you know.
3: No, I remember it coming around our council estate, and everybody thought somebody had died, you know. And yeah. was in pink trousers, sitting in the back, going on my way to the BBC.
2: And now a message from our sponsors Jules, I must say, those shoes you're wearing. Are very smart. How did you achieve such a lustrous
1: colour? Well, it's perfectly easy, Jim. I use Dulux emulsion paint. And now I can attend the Lord Mayor's Ball with integrity. Capital,
2: I too shall enjoy the benefits of Dulux paint upon my boots as I intend to visit Lord Marlborough this Lent.
1: (laughs) It's, It's the impression that you have of different types of transport. I mean, I think, for instance, I think people used to think um, the aeroplanes were a glamorous way of getting around. Although no. you never liked travelling on aeroplanes, did you? I we we used to travel together. You never liked flying. A lot of really Franklin never liked it either, did she?
3: Not been a big fan of flying, but I've got lots of stories of flying.
2: I used to like it when we when when you did the the tube and you'd come back from Newcastle Airport on a plane that was full of pop stars. Yes, yeah. And now I remember the Womax. Been on it, and I think they've probably the Womack, the entire family was on that, and I think that was probably all the seats taken. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was, it was fantastic flight, and they changed the flight back from Newcastle when we did the tube in uh, in the eighties because it was at seven thirty. But our show, it was at seven, but the show finished at seven, so they made it seven thirty. So you could dash and get to the mm. airport. I remember being on one of them, like you say, all the people on the show, on one of them there was I think it was Elton John there was some other huge great stars, was it maybe George Michael, somebody, all these these people on the plane, and it was the most bumpy flight I've ever been
2: well, on. Well, because they're all jumping up and down, <laughs> uh, dancing <laughs> singing. <laughs> what a lovely idea. Anyway,
1: no, this is a showbiz story, and... and Paulie Yates, my co-host, is looking really, like, worried. Mm. And, and the, the plane's bouncing around and really bad turbulence. So to reassure her, as I would to any uh, passenger or somebody who's nervous to fly, I said, well, don't worry about this. I said, you know, these planes are built to uh, withstand a tremendous amount of turbulence. You know, actually, you could make the two... The tips of the two wings could lift up above the plane and touch one another and it would still carry on flying. One of the engines would fall off. It wouldn't make any difference. It's still land perfectly, but well. you don't worry about all this. It's you know the technology is so far advanced. This bumping is nothing to worry about at all. And she said to me, I couldn't care less about thinking bumping. I'm worried about the billing. I said, What do you mean the billing? She said, if the plane goes down, it's it'll be Elton killed in crash. Turn to page three to see who the others are, or I'm gonna be the others. <laughs>
3: My, my flying phobia was so much so that uh, Breakfast TV invited me on to do a special Paul McKenna one-off where he treats me and, and gets me through my flying...
1: What, hypnotises you?
3: Yeah, all of that stuff. And what happened? So we went to a tiny little airport, tiny little plane, 7 o'clock in the mor- morning, camera, camera crew in this tiny plane and Paul McKenna... Paul McKenna And we sit at the end of the runway and he starts talking to me, trying to get me into this kind of zone where I'm, you know, in some special place. And all I could think was, I can't stand this bloke's voice. (laughs) (laughs) It's driving me bloody mad. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, but but then the the plane took off and we hit some turbulence and he was more nervous than I was. (laughs) And this was all being filmed for breakfast telly, you know.
1: Chris uh, is a poet. I happen to know that um, General Motors in America in the 1950s they employed poets to think up names for cars. So they came up with great names: the the Cadillac El Dorado the Ford Mustang. You know, they're mm. great names. You know, the Stingray, mm. great names for you know, like they, they kind of they, they they suggest. Well, they've got that kind of American yes. bravado, uh, aren't un- they? Unlike the Hillman Imp. Imp. Or the singer Gazelle, um, uh, they uh, have a sort of a, they have they have a, a great excitement to them. But Chris had a great, and I said to, him, as a poet, have you ever thought of a car name? And you did have one for the Audi, didn't you? Audi Doody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, think did, you, did you propose that to Audi? What did they say?
3: Well, I did to the guy on the shop floor. But um, I used to, when I was working with, lucky enough to work with Brian Ferry, I did have the sort of hotline to Audi. Um, and I did manage to spring it on the lady there, but she didn't...
2: It was that you were working with Brian Ferry? Mm. So you, of course, had a hotline to Audi. I don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> of
1: course. <laughs> you, what sort of circles do you mix in? Do you not realise that's how it works? No, we, got,
3: we got a wonderful A8, and, and uh, I picked Brian up in it, and he said, um, it's a really nice car, isn't it? And he's, he sat in the back while I was drive, drive, <laughs> dri- dri- driving it. He said... Mm, it's not the long wheelbase one, though, is it? I said, no, it isn't. He said, send it back. <laughs> so we had to wait for a long wheelbase one to come, which then did arrive. And he just sat in the back the whole time. It was so it,
2: you, were, he was, you were his chauffeur?
3: Yeah, and in fact, I said that to him one day. I said, Brian, you know, it, it, rather than me being your sort of PA, which is what I was employed to do, I turned into being your driver. And he said, yes, yes, yes. And then the next day, uh, a hat box arrived from German Street, with a chauffeur's hat in it. <laughs> Just to show that Brian had a really good sense of humour. Yeah. <laughs> I still
2: have it. And do you wear it when you're driving?
3: I do, but sadly Brian's not in the back
2: anymore. But... Well, okey does you know, get a pillow <laughs> yeah. with his face on it. Draw his face on it. <laughs> That's what we all do. <laughs> I watched it. I was on a train recent... Well, not really, about a year ago. And a fella in a seat adjacent to me, but further up, was watching... Um, a film with subtitles on and I watched the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> with him and he didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> what a
1: result. <laughs> Out of interest, I'd like to ask, pose this to the team. Does anybody have a particular favourite, well, it could be a car, a boat, a train, anything. favourite bit of transport in a film?
2: Um, a film with Richard Todd uh, called Never Let Go, where he's he's saved up all his money for a Ford Anglia, he gets it, and then it, and it's his pride and joy, and then it gets stolen by mm. Peter Sellers. Um, that is my favourite moment with a character. I actually worked with Richard Todd once in Randland Hopkirk. Anyway, that's my story.
3: My favourite um, piece of uh, transport in a film has got to be Magical Mystery Tour. Oh yeah, that particular bus. Always remember the smell of those buses. I don't know if you remember, remember them. They had a wonderful sort of cross leather and, and sort of curtainy kind of smell. Mm. And uh, yeah, I loved that smell.
1: I think it was a very strong. I remember being on tour bus with you. There was always a very strong aromas. There was a strong aroma. Yeah, and
3: tour buses are a story into themselves. I remember being very taken by the fact that you'd spend hours in your bunk sometimes as we were going across the states, only to discover at the end of the tour that you'd painted the Sistine Chapel on the roof of your bunk.
1: That's right. And they tried to send me a bill to have it cleaned <laughs> off. I said, I should be sending you a bill for having... Work put, of us, art. Putting put, put, put the Sistine Chapel on the... It was up, above the bunk. Work of art, yeah. Thank you. I don't know if That's it's, a that very exists.
2: nice story. I like that story. So what's your favourite mode of transport in, in a, a film? film?
1: Well, let me have a, I, I think I shall ask the question, but I haven't thought about the answer. I think my favourite mode of... Tra- I mean, there's a lot of great cars in films, of course, but I think... Um, my favourite car film. It's quite rare, and it's called "I Am a Car," and it is, was made by the Austin Motor Company when they were the biggest manufacturer of cars in Britain, sending the cars out all over the world. And it's basically it says, "I am a car," and it shows you the Austin range and how they're tested to work in the snow, in the desert, and so forth. And then it says, and, it, and then it puts, like you were saying, with the sat nav, you would have the voice of of the particular people it will have a farmer's voice it's like, i'm a car i'm a farmer's car i've got to be sturdy in the winter and get up and work at all hours and it's and it's it's the car's voice and it's i'm a salesman's car and then you'd have this bloke taking gowns mm. out of the back and selling cosmetics and so forth to a lovely parade of suburban Tudor shops and then you'd have a uh, um, uh, I'm, I'm a young man, and I need a young man's car, It was really so each car had its own voice, so I think that, it's a, it's, it's probably on YouTube if people want to look oh, it up. I'm going to
2: look that I'm up looking instantly, up. I'm looking let, and also, let us not forget Hell Drivers.
1: Oh, super, with Patrick McGowan.
2: Stanley Baker mm. and uh, Sean Connery, very young Sean Connery, which, uh, but that's lorries, and that's a story for another time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we've probably covered everything there, haven't we? And it uh, its really leads us only to say thank you and goodbye.
1: Thank you very much to our very special guest, Chris Difford. It's been marvellous uh, having you here. You've been a superb guest and, and thank you for sharing those marvellous memories and revealing for the first time ever where Up the Junction was written, which isn't where people thought.
3: It's a pleasure. <laughs>
2: Goodbye Chris there he goes driving off into the distance in his mock Tudor car his
1: Tudor Bethan Morris what yeah. a great treat to have that man here in this room with us
2: a car that has turrets
1: yes it would look it would be just at home as it would on a city street particularly if that city was Stratford upon Avon where the great bard lived with all of those half timbered buildings crenellations have you got a motoring related song there oh, i most certainly
2: have oh, Says full the vein ain't a ditty day on the wine.